0: Welcome to Greetings in West Ham. After a draw against Manchester United, we are now mathematically safe in the Premier League for next season. Chris, give me your analysis of the game.
1: It was a good game, 1-1 draw against Man- Manchester United. We we definitely played uh like we did, like not only we belonged in the Premier League, but we could play against a team that that's pushing for the Champions League like Manchester United. I really thought outside of the first 20 minutes, we were matching them, you know, blow for blow and Really had some had some impressive performances this game. I thought particularly Ben Johnson did a really good job at uh, starting to to get more involved defensively, and, and other players did well too.
0: Yeah, he was much improved this game that I saw. Um, What I like is when a player kind of looks at their performance and then really improves the next game and says, where was I bad in certain areas? And then says, okay, defensively, for instance, Ben Johnson. Not the greatest last game. This game, I saw a huge improvement. His passes were okay at times. Maybe that's where he needs to work next. But I thought he played a really, really good defensive game.
1: Yeah, I thought he did a better job at anchoring himself to the center backs. One really what you want to do as a fullback is you can't go marauding on your own you have to 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 gain your defensive position relative to where your center backs are standing and and I thought last game that he started he was a little more freelancing whereas this game he he really locked it down and became part of a more cohesive defensive unit
0: yeah and uh, we'll get to the Masawaku sub later but I saw a more solid defense, and uh, the first 20 minutes, we really sat back on our heels and and played that defensive game. Moyes, I, I assume, instructed the team to play defensive until, say, the water break. Uh, after that, I saw a, a decent offensive change. What did you th- take of those first uh, 20 minutes?
1: I, I didn't think we played particularly well. I, I definitely get we came out defensive. That's That's often something you'll do against – when you're matched up against a better side, especially on the road to start out, just to get your feet wet. I don't think it was – I thought we played well defensively in the first 20 minutes, but we gave away a lot of possession, and I thought a lot of that was down to the way we were – we had our midfield structured. Noble was kind of way too high up the pitch, just getting lost, uh, and that was was leaving a lot of ground for Rice and Suchek to cover – which they covered okay, but it was really more mitigating possession than actually getting the ball back. But we, I thought after that first 20 minutes, we really started having a more fluid attack once we got the ball.
0: Yeah, I did too. And a statistic I want to bring up is our attack right now is 43% on the left side and 38% on the right side for that game, only 19% in the middle. So clearly we're using Bowen a lot. We're using Fornals and Cresswell going back and forth. Uh I would like to see a little bit more possession in the middle. Uh, for instance, um, Manchester United had 31% on the right side, 27% in the middle, and 42 on the left side. So they were a little bit more even. But it, we've got a strong winger in Bowen. For as I thought, played a pretty good game. So I can't really fault us for, uh, I guess, deflecting to the to the wingers when we have an offensive chance.
1: Well, I think a lot of it was, was due to what Manchester United uh, sent their team out. So they really had... Uh, their weakness in their team is their back four, especially with who they play today. Uh, Williams and uh, Fosu Mensu being their starting fullbacks. It's just really a weak area compared to the rest of their squad. So when you have experienced players like Madich and Pogba sitting in front of their back four, uh, you know, walking up the middle, it, you really have to take advantage more of the, those flanks, which we did. I thought Bowen was fantastic today, and, and Fornells did a, a pretty good job as well.
0: Oh, yeah, I saw a big m- improvement in Fornauz, uh, kind of the same that I saw in Johnson, where there were areas where Fornauz kept messing up, kept messing up, kept messing up, and then today suddenly it fixed them. For instance, his pass accuracy I thought was a lot better. I thought his crosses were a lot better. Uh, he created more offensive chances where he's always been relatively in position and part of the attack, but uh, right now I saw a lot more, or for this game, I saw a lot more runs uh, in the right direction, and I, I really liked his play today.
1: I thought he did a good job. He definitely had more long balls attempted than he normally does, which I thought was nice. I thought our team as a whole did a really good job switching the field. And then let's talk a little bit about Bowen. He made he he honestly got my man of the match. The runs that he would make down that right flank, I thought he was the most intentional attacking player we had today.
0: You have to give my man the match to Agbana. Uh, Agbana for me was lights out in the defense. Made some critical tackles uh, coming in when they were inside our box, and even went on the defensive or sorry, the attacking area. when he went for some of those headers. Uh, got called for a few fouls, but uh, but did win and uh, end up winning a lot of those headers. I thought he and
1: I, I definitely think Agbana did play well. And, and one thing I noticed is he and Diop played more. Um, aware of each other today they, they were they were really a partnership rather than just two players standing next to each other um, and I I Bon has been good for the past several games and, and he continued that performance today but I liked the, the chemistry
0: I was seeing between him and Diop yeah I did too and we'll talk about uh, that penalty now so we start going for the attack and then uh, we get a foul outside of the box I loved how we set up that um, that free kick where we kicked it out to Rice and Rice kind of tried to go around the wall. Looked, it looked like to me, but then uh drilled it straight for Pogba. Pogba seems to react as uh, a normal human would, except in the premier league, it's unacceptable to use your hands to block. And so we got a free penalty off of it. Uh, I, and then we we ended up scoring with Antonio. Great, yeah. great goal, but so kind of dumb mistake on Pogba's part.
1: Really was a dumb
0: mistake. And are I thought it I thought the setup for the set piece was
1: really nice, giving Declan who just scored a, a really good long shot and had some really close off, uh, uh, opportunities today, uh, another chance at goal. And yeah, Pogba reached his hand up. We we appealed straight away, and it this is a really good example of VAR doing what it's supposed to do. It it did take maybe a, a little bit longer than I was we were watching. It was a clear cut, it it a clear cut clear. penalty, but even you know playing against a big club they always seem to get the benefit of the doubt I was you know a little hesitant but they finally they did call it a penalty Uh, and I thought this was this is a good example of this is how VAR is supposed to work if VAR hadn't been implemented I don't think we would have seen that penalty awarded it didn't really look like the the referee saw it straight away And, and it's nice to have the technology there and to use it in the correct way to, to get the right decision.
0: Yeah. And the big difference here is that you're not just a finger off side or something that doesn't impact play. This impacted play. And as a result, that's when VAR came in. That's when we got the penalty. So I agree. This is a really good example of when VAR Uh, was beneficial to the game in general not just you know to West Ham just because we got the penalty but to the game in general it made it a more fair game compared to when you're like I mentioned uh, one finger off offside and you get called and the whole goal is taken away it's like did that really impact play no but this one did
1: yeah and I think a lot of people would say that maybe the decision was harsh but I don't think you can criticize VAR for that it's it, it was a penalty by the the letter of the law and Pogba it was Pogba that made a stupid decision to put his hands up and he was just caught this time. So it's not, I thought it was good. you know, that Antonio definitely stepped up to the spot. It was, uh, he's not our normal penalty taker, but, but rumor has it that he has a bonus that kicks in if he scores 10 league goals, which uh, that penalty put him just at 10 goals. So glad for him, glad for the, uh, the boys electing him to take that penalty to really kind of just reward him for for the work that he's put in, especially since the restart.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so we got that goal right before halftime. Went into halftime on pretty high note and came out. Didn't uh, I didn't see the detraction in our game coming out of halftime. I thought we still played pretty strongly. Had quite a few attacks right before their goal. They, to be honest, they scored a great goal. I, I I can't fault anyone really specifically for you know I could say okay maybe Diop could have been a little bit in better position maybe. Uh, the center backs or or even the defensive midfielders should have come back and helped out the center backs more. I don't know, but the, you're going to get scored on in soccer. It's just, or in football, it's just a uh, a fact of life. And so I, I wasn't too upset.
1: Yeah. I didn't think it, that, that goal came down to any one of our individual mistakes. It was, it was more a factor of just, we're playing a great team who has great players that, you know, Greenwood obviously tying a Manchester United record today with the number of goals scored for a teenager. He's, he's been incredible this season. He found a soft spot in our defense and I can't recall who passed it to him, but they, you know, they made a good pass to find him. It looks like it was uh Marshall who's another good player, you know, finds him right in a soft spot in our defense and he, and he has a good finish, but I thought you, you were spot on that we had a lot of great attacking options right before then. And I really thought we were, um, slightly unlucky not to get another goal in that second half
0: and one thing that West Ham has struggled with is after they concede a goal playing terrible or even after scoring a goal sometimes but uh, did you think that the play changed at all afterwards or did you think that we continue to play well for the rest of the game
1: no i think we really played well the rest of the game i, I believe the biggest the kind of break point for me was the first 20 minutes and then everything after that The first 20 minutes we played very timidly, didn't have much possession, didn't defend poorly, just but didn't. We were just kind of maybe had 15% possession and we're just getting, you know, given up too many chances. Whereas the last 70 plus minutes we were really playing like we were equals to them and and moving the ball around well. We actually generated uh, one more shot than they did, but had one less shot on target. But overall, just a very good. Didn't have as much possession, but used our possession well to get in attacking positions. Uh, won some key fouls that set up good set pieces. And, and I really thought, although technically we did give up points from a lead, this was very different than what we have most of the season where we go on to just blow away games. Or this game, we were actually competitive through the, through the full-time whistle.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty happy with the draw Uh, going into the game. If we won, fantastic. If we drew, it was fine. We're mathematically safe now from relegation, but also, like you mentioned, they're a Champions League team, or at least competing for one. So, uh, for a spot there. So, hey, drawing against them when we are basically fighting relegation is uh, almost the entire season is uh, is a a good result. I think the team should be really happy with how they played today. I think Moyes should be happy with the recent success, and uh, he is making some some decent strides uh, I think you have to give him credit for that um, and like you mentioned we had 43% possession but we also used that possession well and if that's the Moy's way fine but uh, but we're using we're playing more to, to his style and I think it's kind of working for us
1: Well, I think we obviously had less possession than them but our, our offensive fluidity was really good we were making good passing triangles good good ball movement you know especially especially down the flanks and it, it it did well and you mentioned Moyes doing a good job i think he d- he does uh let's have a little primer of maybe a, a longer discussion we'll have for, or after the season ends but there was a recent poll this week i believe by by XWHU employee on his twitter that that asked west ham fans would you keep moyes going into next season and you and i were both a little surprised by the
0: results yeah, we were. So I feel like West Ham fans are pretty fickle sometimes. And this was a, a good example. Moyes has had recent success and suddenly people start calling for, oh, he needs a, a better contract or he's, he's our guy that's going to take us to the next level. It, to me, I'm still holding, uh, as we mentioned on the podcast back in February and even March, right before the shutdown, uh, Moyes, I believe, is not the person to take us to the next level I think he has had recent success I do have to give him credit for it I think it'd be harsh to fire him if we go in and win against Villa as well and then look back at the restart and say wow we played really really well uh, he kept us up and even we're in sitting in 15th right now we have a chance to finish in 15th so uh, not the greatest you know uh, finish but hey he inherited a problem and and credit to him he's fixed it so far
1: yeah he's, so, he's done a very good job especially in project
0: restart It's a harsh firing for me over the summer, but I definitely see us giving him a chance at the start of the season. I really hate switching managers in the middle of the season, but he also has never had that chance. There's a few things that are really holding me up and it's like, he's never had the full transfer window. He brought on bone and subject, which we complained about. He was taking forever, but he did bring them on and they've been great. So it's just like, there's a few things that really hold me up from firing him. I I don't think he's the next one to take us to, or the uh, one to take us to the next level. What's your analysis?
1: Well, I I think you I think you are right. I don't think he can take us to where we want to be as far as challenging for Europe every season. I think he he has the potential to make us you know a strong mid table team that's that's pushing between maybe ninth and twelfth every year, which yep, would be a exactly good improvement right. from where we are right now. And I think that yep. is the next step. That's right. However, and we'll we'll dedicate a, a larger section in a later podcast once the summer is over. I think we really need to compare what we're getting from him to what we could be able to what we could get from other managers that are available. I mean, yeah, I if we had a chance to sign Jurgen Klopp, I'd fire Moyes right now. But we're not. So once we, I think he's done enough to keep his job for the moment. I, I'd like to maybe discuss once we kind of see how all these all these leagues shake out you know who's fired who has a job uh what the options are that might you know realistically could come to West Ham if we think someone you know should should replace more for example this I know this is not someone out of point over him at this stage but a lot of West Ham fans like Bournemouth manager Eddie Howe and depending on how this last game could go if Bournemouth stays up or not he could be available so that's I'd like to see that, um, but but you're you're spot on that. West Ham fans are kind of fickle, us among them, and you know my opinion has changed a little bit on Moy since the restart, even just the last four or five games. But I don't think he's he's not what we've been promised, and we just got to realize that that's not always on him. That that's kind of on the board.
0: Yeah, that's true. And to be fair, stability might be good for the team right now. We've had a lot, a little—I uh, should say—really rocky season. Uh, we also had a change in manager, which is not always good. Sometimes the team just needs to to mesh and and form that chemistry within the formation. Uh, under Pellegrini, we saw that the team was not meshing, and we suffered for it. And now under the under Moyes, hopefully the team has gotten that chemistry. So I'm not upset. Uh, if we look for another manager, I think it'd be smart to, and look if we can get a steal or some, like you mentioned, a Jurgen Klopp or someone that's really, really good that we think takes to the next level, but we don't need to rush. And I think before yeah. I would have rushed, but now we can kind of take a, take our time if we don't sign anybody we still have Moise for another year we can spend money elsewhere on players and see what happens and uh, you, you mentioned he's a mid-table uh, manager I think he is and I think we could expect to finish maybe around say anywhere from say 9th to 12th next year would be a decent um, analysis there so I'm not, I kind of like the stability right now uh, I want to see what he does especially with this transfer window
1: yeah, and I will say the players do look happy to play for him, and I think that that is a big reason of what we've seen this uh, kind of uptick in, in our play is that they really have enjoyed playing with him. You know, Rice, after Rice scored that goal last game, he ran straight to Moyes and, and celebrated with him. So there are other benefits besides just just the tactics or, or just the signings that that go into it. And we'll we'll discuss that all at a later date. What what did you think about? Um, rice's performance particularly in this game he's been there's been a lot of transfer talk with him maybe you know chelsea after him or just other bigger clubs how do you think he performed today
0: i thought he did well he does well every game honestly uh it's hard for me to say hey he's the man of the match every single week because he almost deserves every single week this one maybe there are a few like ogbana or bowen maybe that uh outperformed him but he still was was up there as one of our best players he contributes so much defensively so much offensively it's how do you take that guy off the field and that's really what you want in a player is saying i don't maybe this sub could change the game but but you can't sub off rice because that will change the game you know um with noble i don't really see that uh noble did have a decent game today but um but i thought rice was was exceptional once again i didn't see as much from him and Suchek, but i also think that that's not a detriment to them i think we just moved the ball in different areas
1: yeah, and like you said, he, how do you take him off? And and we haven't this season. He's played every single Premier League minute to my knowledge and mm-hmm. is assuming nothing changes this last game, he'll finish the season playing every minute in the Premier League and having someone as solid and just and young, composed and young as him play every minute is huge. I thought, man, had that we were we were making jokes when he almost scored that that incredible long-range effort oh. again today uh, in the second half that you know, our, our
0: asking price would be, you know, over a hundred million if if that would have gone in. Yeah. And I I mean, any team that's looking at him, especially Chelsea has got to say he is such a good player and he, he would fit in pretty much with any team. I really can't think of a team that he would not fit in and uh, defensive midfielders are fairly hard to come by it's not like every you know uh, a winger can just roll right into a defensive midfielder and play that role so uh, it's a very specific role and Declan obviously can is uh, that box-to-box midfielder where he's contributing on the offense but he's also contributing massively on the defense so great candidate I would be wary to sell him obviously I think most West Ham fans would say they don't want to sell him but right now with he's in top form and you might be able to get a really good price. I'm not saying I want to sell him at all, but if that opportunity comes up where we can get a a massive amount of money for him, I would be open to it. Now that we have Suchek kind of holding the midfield. Um, is, is that what you would do, Chris, or?
1: I think I would keep him, but I, I will say, so if we look at the two, the two most recent examples of us having a world-class or near world-class player. Uh, at the club we've had opportunities to sell them and we have ended up being forced to sell them later on for less so the two players I'm mentioning here are Payet and Arnautovic, who both after their you know breakout seasons with West Ham we had great offers from, from top clubs to buy them we decided to hold on to them and it ended up not working out you know Payette with the tricky personal situation that he had uh kind of forcing a sale back to his home hometown of Marseille and us really taking more more than what we paid for him but but not maybe half maybe half of what we could have gotten the summer before and same for Novic just kind of really the a devious move to to force his hand just for for more money simply and both of those we we honestly should have sold before we did uh but i think Rice is a different different animal altogether i don't think he's going to have the drop in form that either of those players had i don't think he's going to be a player that just throws a fit in the middle of a season and forces that i th- i think if he there might be a day where he wants to move on from west ham but he's not going to do it in the same way so i wouldn't i wouldn't feel like i should be forced into selling him this summer
0: Look, there's a reason he's wearing that captain armband when Noble's not on the field and where he's a vice captain of the club right now. His character is, is top um, top class. And you've also got a top class player. So Payet, yeah, great player, but also maybe didn't have the character behind him. Whereas Declan Rice, I would trust him to play his heart out. Even if he knew, even if he's in Gakia situation, he knew he either wouldn't be re-signed or was going to get transferred he would still play his heart out for for the club and that's just the that's just the kind of guy he is um so i it's really tough that's captain material it's really tough to sell him i would be very wary of selling him but you do have to look at like you mentioned look at history but also uh look we have Suchek. Rice is a massive part of our team, but we also might be able to bring in three or four people for him. Right now, Chelsea is talking about uh, giving us a lot of money plus a few players. Now, yeah, you
1: mentioned that, and, and I want to say those are kind of tabloid favorites. There's always the – every, every transfer window or right, right around every transfer window, you see these deals that pop up. Oh, uh, we'll give you like this team wants to give th- get this player, and they'll give this player, maybe this other player, and money. But those deals almost never happen. There, there's never, you, you do see these players tr- change clubs, but it's almost never a two for one plus some extra cash. It, it's may, it's typically that player for cash, or maybe that player for cash and one other player. But I the, the deals that are being thrown around with Chelsea for Ross Barkley and Batshuayi for Declan Rice, I honestly don't think that there's that much merit behind that particular deal. Now, maybe Chelsea might come in and try and give us one of those players with some cash. Um, and we'll we'll discuss more when the transfer, our transfer pod after the season's over about kind of what our price would be for different players. But I, it would, like... I'll I'll quote Mois here. It's going to take a Bank Bank of England offer to to pry Declan Rice, and I think it should because even if even if you have a eighty million pounds per se from a sale from him, there's no guarantee that those eighty million pounds are going to going to replace what Declan Rice can do for you, both as a character and uh, as a fan favorite, and and just as a class player that he is.
0: Yeah, I must say David Moyes he's got some uh, character, some funny moments to him, some character to him and uh, every now and then we see that and I loved that quote about the Bank of England. Uh, another one I want to quote from him is uh he, this is this is quoting our manager David Moyes. In my mind he's arguably talking about Declan Rice, the best holding midfield midfield player in the country. And the best thing about Declan is he will get better. He's right, <laughs> first of all. Um I really can't think of another holding midfielder you've got midfielders like Pogba who are world class you've got midfielders uh even wingers like Salah i mean they're they're good you know midfielders but that holding midfielder defensive midfielder i'm talking that uh, i was talking about earlier where you're playing offensively and defensively such a huge impact in both areas not just a little bit of impact in offense and massive defense it's it's massive on both sides very very rare to find that
1: yeah and and he's he's a special kid and I, I definitely agree with what moy said he's the best holding midfielder in the country and i personally think we just i would hold on to him at all cost if if well or i won't say at all cost at almost all cost if they you know he is he's the heartbeat of our team right now he's you know we've talked about the the impact that these january signings have made but and they have made a great impact but any Any formation, any setup, any team you select with West Ham that doesn't have Declan Rice in it is not a great team. It's you know it's a relegation side or just about the way and you know you put Declan in and it just changes what we do.
0: Yeah, it does change and one player that we expected to change, but so far haven't seen a, a massive change for us is Hilaire. Now uh, based on the match statistics, we won forty eight percent of the aerial duels. Hilaire is known for winning aerial duels. Uh, just based on his performance this season with West Ham. But did you think, first of all, that that was the right sub? Second of all, what did you take of Hilaire's performance? And third, did he impact the game?
1: I thought the only criticism I really have for for Moise today was he, I think, again, waited too long to to sub in players. It took, he he finally substituted Cresswell because of injury in the 74th and then Hilaire in the 77th. Um and then Jermalenko at the end. But I, I do agree with the sub that was made for bringing Hilaire on. Bringing him on was good. We we were – both sides were almost content just holding out for the draw and because it, it benefited both sides. No, they, both sides were still attacking, but, but kind of the game slowed down a little bit where there's going to be a little more hold-up play. Um, Antonio's worked so hard. He's, like I said, very gassed and prone to injury, so there's no – no sense risking him, you know, based on fatigue. So I thought that was the right sub to bring on. He performed. I thought Holaire performed pretty well. He had some good link-up play. We didn't really get the ball around the box uh, after he came on. I don't think that's any fault of his own, but but had some. I don't know if he won any aerial duels today, uh, but really, again, I I always find it tough to judge a player on you know 13 minutes of gameplay, especially when both sides of and especially when it's not usually the end of game is not the normal flow of a game either some teams trying to hold on to, to the result or maybe some teams you know sending everyone forward they're no one they're not playing your normal game plan so it's hard to judge a player you know i think mass the same way he got maybe 15 minutes and there were some things that were good some things that weren't but it's so tough to judge someone off of that position i, I really hope now that our, our season is settled, essentially, we we're really going to get 15th or 16th, that we get a better chance of, um, in this last game against Villa, just seeing players like Hilaire, Antonio again, maybe Lanzini, play a, a, more, a more broad part in this game to, to see what they offer.
0: Yeah. One thing when Hilaire came on within the first two minutes, he got the ball and lost it and then basically didn't put any effort into defense. And I thought, Oh no, here we go. However, that was really the only mistake or only time I I really was like, Oh no, the rest of the time he had pretty good link up play. He actually, I saw contribute on defense a few times. He made some decent runs to get back uh, and that actually helped our defense. So I thought that that was good too. I saw from Maswaku and Hilaire that they were playing like, they wanted to earn their spot back on the team, and and I like that effort. You know, especially I saw a lot of effort from Aswaku, uh, which really surprised me coming off the bench for a first little run. fight. A little fight, yeah. And yeah. hey, so he got that yellow card for Noble. Just to divert divert here a little bit, got that yellow card. I was. At first, I thought, "What is that yellow card for?" Now, I uh, after the replay, I understand it, but I'm actually pretty ha- kind of uh, happy for him because he he stood up. Noble, the guy came in, pushed Noble, right? Yeah. And Masakubo came up and was like, "Hey, you're not doing that to my captain." And I kind of respect that a little bit.
1: Honestly, what what Bruno Fernandez did to Noble, I feel like if the the badges on the club had been switched, that would have been a red card. Um, you know, he got he he kind of shoved his head into noble which is as we've seen time and time again over the last few years really not accepted anymore but uh, then the and, slap
0: on masuaku and,
1: and then masuaku yeah, yeah. They, there was a little bit of back and forth there but uh, i you know obviously we don't know what was said in those matches yeah. but it, it is nice to uh, masuaku kind of came in and had his captains back and
0: yeah, I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy. <laughs> now, lie. now, yeah.
1: obviously, Masuaku, for those who don't know, has had some disciplinary uh, incidents. Incidents in the past. The, the key one being that, that comes to mind is he did spit at a player. Uh, I believe it was a season and a half or two seasons ago that that ruled him out for several games, and obviously that that might color your opinion of of him. But from from this instance, I think he was just trying to back up a teammate and you know, you love to see that, especially a guy that hasn't played really in a long time, still showing that passion is.
0: And it showed a lot of respect for the player. If Masawaku didn't like noble. He probably wouldn't have gotten involved, but the fact that he said, no, you know what? That's first of all, that's West Ham's captain. But second of all, the amount of respect and this goes for the whole team, but the amount of respect that noble carries really speaks volumes. And that was just another instance of it, in my opinion. Um, I, I think the man you defender Madic um, should have gotten a card. I there was a lot of outcry at least on social media about uh, he fouled three or four actually it was more like four or five times within the span of say 5 minutes. Uh he just kept and they were they were pretty egregious fouls too. They weren't uh Yeah, they
1: they were they could have resulted in an injury very yes, easily.
0: Yes, they could have, yeah. So what what did you think of their of Man United's defense? What do you think of the cards over the game, the kind of the the refereeing and officiating? I thought the officiating overall was decent.
1: I, I thought it was was pretty decent overall. I thought there was maybe he could have given a, a few more yellow cards when when it was getting out of hand. I I thought may, the main culprit being Matic, where he. Yeah. Um, Kind of got away with a few challenges. Now their their left back Williams, I think, also got away with a few. Not, I wouldn't say cardable offenses, but kind of there was a few times where he jostled Bowen a little too roughly, in my opinion. it should have resulted in a foul. But overall, I thought it was relatively well refereed game. And but yeah, Maddich, there were some less than clean tackles. That, that yeah, less than clean and.
0: One thing too is uh, a yellow card can be given not just for each individual tackle, but kind of a string of, Hey, you're not playing safely. Look, players are going to foul, you know, sometimes the foul is a little egregious and you get a yellow card, but manage maybe not uh, each foul being that yellow cardable offense. But when you string a few of them together, in my opinion, it was, but Hey, whatever. Um, I, I liked like you said how VAR came into it. I liked the calls on the field. There was nothing where I was I was too upset. There are a few fouls that I think were missed on both sides, but uh, that's going to happen in the game. So yeah,
1: overall, I thought yeah overall I thought it was a good game. I, I really don't think there was any player that you know was was terrible. I thought the key standouts for me, we mentioned both your man in the match on and mine, Bowen, but were key, and and Declan Rice, just another, another standout game for him. So, you know, anytime, anytime in the Premier League that you get a draw on the road, it's not a terrible result, and especially anytime you get a, a draw against the Champions League side or, you know, fighting for Champions League side, it's not a bad result. When you combine those two, it's, you know, especially that since we didn't necessarily have too much to play for intrinsically i thought it was a good result i thought we played well we proved again we're a premier league team you know we should be here next next season and mathematically guaranteed it after this result
0: yeah that's a good point we proved we're a premier league team look at how norwich plays look at how even bournemouth say now that at their how Watford played how Watford played yeah they they look like champions league sides whereas if man U came in, if i was Yeah, championship sides. That's what I'm yeah. saying. If Man U came out and played like Norwich, they would have destroyed them today. Whereas a one one tie against a Champions League team and we we they didn't necessarily dominate us. We didn't just barely hang on. Like we were both making good attacks. Um, to me that play was was good play from both sides, and it wasn't just we were barely hanging on, barely got the tie.
1: Yeah. And w- one thing I, I I will mention that credit to Moyes is our our style of play is not is not dictated as much by the other team the last few games as it as it had been before a lot of times when we would play a a big team we would be we'd play like we did the first 20 minutes for basically the whole game and and just hope for some cra- crazy thing to happen whereas we really showed you know we we played with less possession but but with an, an intent to attack and so I, I've and we've played the same way that we do against the Norwich or Watford side that we will against the Man United side, obviously to to different effect because they're not as good of teams. But we're we're showing consistency in how we play uh, across the the different levels of teams we play, which is which is key.
0: That's a really good point. And that first twenty minutes, I saw that uh, sitting back defensively. I thought, oh no, if we do this for all ninety minutes, it's just a matter of time. With Pellegrini, I think that would have happened. I think we wouldn't have changed. I am not looking back, I'm not terribly upset with that defensive play because like you mentioned, teams go on the road, they play a little bit uh conservative the first few minutes to see what the other team's given and then maybe open up and that's what we did. And and that's down to the manager saying, Hey guys, all right, you know, hey maybe it was the water break. I don't know. But uh but let's turn it on and and we changed our play and it, we actually went for the win today instead of just sitting back and trying to hold the goal. Um and that's something Pellegrini, I don't think, would have done.
1: Yeah, so uh, definitely a big change we've seen in, since kind of the Chelsea game of just applying consistently in a consistent, you know, having a defined identity as a team. And it's it's starting to pay dividends in, in the results. All right, that concludes our game uh, game recap. Next section, we're going to talk about the final game against Villa and how good it would be to relegate one more team this season.
0: Welcome back to our second, the second half of Green Eggs and West Ham. Here we've got a match preview against Ashton Villa. Right now we are mathematically safe from relegation, whereas Ashton Villa is fighting for their life. They are technically above, uh, above the relegation zone, but with a big loss to us and uh, with a result uh, in, against them in Watford, uh, the Watford game against Arsenal, they could end up going down. Chris, uh, give us your preview of how we need to play against them and where they are in the table.
1: Yes, there's there's kind of two different ways you can go about this if you're West Ham. You can either go out and continue on the same form that you've been by playing all the same players, trying, you know, trying to just keep up the momentum with the same group, or you could use this game as, a, as an opportunity to – to kind of give some some players that haven't featured in a while more of a run to kind of see which – give Moyes another chance to see what he has going into the offseason, who can maybe contribute next season, who maybe doesn't have a place at the team uh, come next season. So so there's really both – both pass. I, I don't know if I – would I wouldn't say one's definitively better than the other. I would probably go the, the second and see – really take a look at players we haven't seen in a while, give some of the players that have, have played well for us a rest, and just see what we got, and uh, hopefully it will give us a little clearer picture of what we need to look for in the transfer window. What do you think? So
0: this is an interesting question for you. What teams do you want to see get relegated, and do you have a decent reason, or you just want to see them?
1: Yeah, so looking at it, Bournemouth is just about done. They, they have a very slim chance of staying up, so I guess they're they're most likely going to go down uh, I'd probably want them to go down just for we've we've tend, tended to have a, a tough time playing them the last few years. They've been in the champion or the, the Premier League. Uh, they are they have some good players. I wouldn't mind going after, you know, Callum Wilson. We've been linked to before, uh, Nathan Atkay, some other just solid players. Ryan Frazier. So I I would be kind of happy that they go down because they've they're often. Competition for us uh, in the mid-table, and then between Watford and Villa, it's it's a really a tough question. I if perfectly if I could just eliminate one, I'd probably do Villa, just because I see them more as a threat to us than, than Watford. We we do well against Watford. You know we've won both games against them this year. Financially, they're not the strongest of teams. Uh, whereas Villa really almost have. I don't want to call them a sleeping giant. But they have the ability and, the, and the kind of financial backing to become a really good you know, mid-table to top half of the table Premier League team if given the time to stay up. So I, because I see them as a little more of the threat, I'd probably re- want, want Villa to be relegated more.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, obviously, Norwich is already relegated. If I had my choice, I'd probably relegate Villa and Watford. Watford, I feel, is a little bit of a dirty team. I don't really like playing them. Uh, Villa... I don't know. I Like you mentioned, they have a little bit more financial stability and uh, maybe a financial basis than Bournemouth. I kind of enjoyed the Bournemouth games because they're a challenge to us. But in terms of statistics and us you know, staying in the table, Bournemouth makes for better games. So uh, I'd rather them go down just so it's less competition. But I, I kind of always just enjoy those games. I really don't have a preference, though. Um, with Villa, though, we could seal their fate. With a, with a big win here... Uh, I think we should come out, we should play a few players we need to feature, but I wouldn't change too much because we do want to keep our form. Moyes will, in my opinion, go for a decent win here. Uh, it, he's His job is already pretty secure, I'd say, even if he loses this game terribly um, because he did save us from relegation, He's done really well in the restart. So I don't think he's... He's, uh, you know, got anything to lose from this game, but I also think he's going to play more conservative than usual. I do see him playing a few, uh, featuring, I should say, a few um, newer players or players that we haven't seen in a while. Probably would see Lanzini play, maybe Anderson, though I kind of doubt it, honestly. And I think Hilaire should play the whole game or be subbed in pretty early in the second half.
1: Yeah, I I would like to see. I, I don't know realistically how many changes you can make. And still keep it, you know, a cohesive team. Obviously, I wouldn't change everyone. Probably make three, three changes or so. I'd, I'd, I'd keep Johnson in. I want to see him. Even if Fredericks is back, I, I want to see Johnson one more time. I'd put Hoyer in. Uh, you could, depending who you take out, I, I think players that I would rest are I'd rest Noble, I'd rest Antonio, and I'd probably rest. Mm, that that last one's tough. Maybe depending on because of who I want to put in, I might rest uh now. So
0: yeah, I, I was thinking that maybe Bowen though, because we saw him go off slight with a slight injury. I don't know if that's gonna true. carry anything. I, I would if I were if he had any sort of inclination that he could get injured more or anything wrong, then I would one hundred percent rest him. Uh, sure, for rest sure. Him Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah I not I wouldn't any any player in our any player in our team, if they have any nagging injury. I wouldn't play him, uh, but I think I wouldn't really want to see Mark Noble in again. I, I think that position would be better served to try out a Wilshire, a Lanzini. I might even see. You know, I, I'd like to see Anderson one more time. See if he's been motivated to play a little harder. Now, Is one game
0: going to make a difference for you though, because it, uh, it wouldn't. I don't me. know if it if would he, make it.
1: It might not make a difference of if I think he should be in the starting 11, but uh, it could also be serve as an exhibition game to teams looking to, to purchase these players. Yeah. So true. for example, like there's been talk of a jetty, not playing, maybe, maybe playing him a game, you know, if he scores a goal or I don't know, I, I it might not change my overall position on him. Like I, I still think I'd choose Fornells nows over him every time the way that each of them playing the season, but for some players that I do have more questions about, such as, you know, for Hilaire, Hilaire needs more time to adjust the, to the Premier League or uh, Wilshire. Wilshire needs to, to kind of get back from being, you know, continual injuries. I, I think it could do, a, this game could do a good job to help them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hilaire, I think I like him. I I really do. I don't know if he's lived up to 45 million But I think he is beneficial to our side. I would say he's not—he's not detrimental. And some of the players like Anderson, I see as detrimental.
1: If we would have bought him for twenty million, would people be that mad? Right. Uh, Right. I mean, he scored some goals. He's only scored seven goals, but he's played. Let me let me pull up the stats here.
0: What, and um, while you do that, I'll just talk about yeah. So he scored seven goals. He's look, he's. A, I don't want to call him an aerial master because we don't know really where the balls go after he wins them. But statistically, he does very well in the air. Uh, he's a hold up player, and I think he's done fairly well in holding up. I definitely think it'd be a mistake to sell him this season because we. I don't know one season to get used to the Premier League. Fine, he may have a breakout season next season, but I, at least I'm seeing a little bit of effort on his side. Whereas Anderson, I'm just not.
1: Yeah, so he's played 2200 minutes which if you is about 24 games, 24 full games of play, about 24 25 full games of play. So seven goals in that return especially when we really weren't playing anywhere near what I would consider a, a formation that suits him. You know, it's it's not a success by any means, but it's not the abject failure. So I, what I'm trying to say is if we would have paid 20 million instead of 40 million for him I think we'd be viewing what, what a success in a little bit different way, or at least the failure in a different, in a different way.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um, so Cause ultimately
1: he doesn't decide what he was sold for. It's, no,
0: that's no, th- that's no, that's a good point. And like you mentioned, we weren't really on form. So, now that we are playing well, hey, put him in there. Now that we're on form, use him. We, we put him in for 13 minutes today. You know that, And I thought he played actually decent for those 13 minutes, but I can't judge his whole season off of 13 minutes out from the restart every single game. You know? Give him some solid core time in there.
1: Well, yeah, and it's every game we've been playing him in since the restart has basically been, we're going to throw you on yeah, the last 15 minutes or so, and we're either trying to just hold on to a lead or we're trying to break our break our structure and just go all out attack. So not like, no, we're not playing any sort of system that he can get comfortable with that he can get used to in when he's in there because it's it, it's always in these weird game situations that I've, it's just tough to judge people on. And the same thing for you know outside of the Yarmolenko goal, you know Yarmolenko scored that one goal at, at Chelsea as a sub, but we've subbed him on in every game. And he, it's been the same way since then it's been up and down. You can't really judge if he's doing well or not, because it's, it's all like today he he only played for a few minutes and you, you know, you don't, no team's really trying to finish the game. So what can you judge? What what can you judge him by?
0: Yeah. And that's definitely why I want to see him play against Villa here. Um, this is a, a perfect chance for it. You know, Villa statistically is not the greatest team. However, um like you know i would argue that we are a little bit better side than we kind of showed this season so perhaps they're that way as well there's not do you have any players you would look out for for this game because for me there's not they have a good captain um but there's not anyone that would say oh you you guys have got to watch out like a trail right you know or something like that like hey watch this guy you know for them it's they're they're okay but no one really stands out
1: yeah, I haven't watched too much of them. I watched their game against Arsenal, and they played very well. They they were, they seemed like a competent Premier League side in, in that one game. And you know, obviously, Grealish has a lot of uh, respect. You know, people talk about him very highly. Rating, I, he was decent. There, there are some other players that are okay, but there's no one I, I'm you know shaking in my boots. Uh, when I when I hear their name be called, you know, coming on for them, so there's not not anyone I'm I'm super scared about. I think we we're a better team on paper than them. I think we we really should be a better team overall than them. So, yeah, not one player that that I'm real worried about.
0: Yeah, and um, another thing too is their attack is fairly equal across the whole field. Um, we kind of bomb it to our wingers and. I think Bowen hey great winger use them you know so we're we are using our strengths there but for them uh, they are fairly equal in attack so um hey they kind of play a little bit less possession too which I'm really interested to see how this goes because when we have played teams I I should say since the restart just to qualify it but when we have played teams like a Wadford or something that have suffered a little bit more in possession uh compared to better teams like Man United who dominate possession the whole game we have statistically done very well against them so uh, Villa is one of those teams where you know they had a 31 percent possession against Arsenal so they're not done and, and that's not just the Arsenal game if you go back to the past few games um, against Everton you know again they had 45 percent possession so they're not necessarily that one's a little better I guess but they're not dominating possession in, in every single game and Like I mentioned, we tend to do better against uh, those types of teams, especially relegation teams we've done pretty well on. Yeah, this is kind of just an interesting game because
1: there's so many teams that their fate's already been decided. You know, all those mid-table teams for the last several games haven't been fighting for for much, whereas this is really the first game that doesn't have anything riding on it for us. So it's so hard to judge what what we're going to see as a team. Uh, just from team selection and player effort, nothing we can do will make me over the moon happy. But also, not, nothing we can do will make me, you know, frustrated. Just because it's it's been such a bumpy ride to this that that the resolution of of just knowing we're safe is is kind of the comfort for me at this point. Not that uh, no, I'm I'm excited to see what we do this game, and I think it'll be a fun game to watch. There's just nothing. I'm not going to be too overjoyed if we win. And I'm not going to be you know devastated if we lost.
0: Yeah. And uh, just to circle back to the table. So Ashton Villa right now is 34 points. Um, Brighton and West Ham are tied uh, at 38 points, but we do beat them on goal differential by three so far. Villa right now has 26, negative 26 26 goal differential. Watford and Bournemouth both have uh, negative 27. So Watford and Villa are tied in points and there's a one um, goal differential between them. Um that's that's pretty telling because if we beat them say even by one but maybe two depending on how Watford does against Arsenal I mean this game they're going to be playing their hearts out because they literally are playing for survival this isn't just like where we played today where it was you know we we had a very high chance of staying up they they do I guess they have a a better chance of staying up than Watford but it's pretty close down there
1: yeah it's definitely interesting because for so much of of the last several games Watford had been on top of them by a fair amount, but the way results have been Villa winning two and drawing one in their last three to kind of, you know, give themselves a lifeline. And then Watford obviously getting beat by us. And then even, even worse so by city, just opening up that, that path where now Villa kind of are in the pole position going in. There's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Villa play because they can smell blood in the water when it comes to Watford. So so are they gonna be focused? Obviously they're gonna be trying to win, but in some sense, we're not even their opponent on Sunday, but Watford are. It's gonna be how do they play against us relative to how Watford plays against Arsenal? That'll be really interesting to watch. I, I think they I think Villa will stay up just because even if we win. We would have to win by more than Arsenal would against Watford, and the way I've seen Watford play the last few games, I, they have not looked good well, at they, all.
0: They fired their manager after the game with us, and I think that was a horrible mistake. Um, as they had two games left, I don't know why they did it. Can't explain it. But then they they got crushed by Man City, which Man City is a good team, but still. Uh, that I, I think yeah, firing the manager stupid.
1: I think that's just the the fallacy that that people, you know, from the board from their board perspective thinking taking an action may, you know, puts it more in your control or something, which is all it does is putting your team into further chaos with, with two, with just a couple games left to play. And obviously it didn't pay off in, in the, in the city game. So.
0: Yeah. What's your prediction for the game again, uh, for West Ham against Ashton Villa?
1: I, I think we're going to get a draw. I think I see a, a two, two draw, you know, it's gonna. It's tough to predict because it, you, you never know how. If we're going to let off the gas a little bit now, being mathematically safe, obviously Villa is going to come in, trying to playing their hearts out. So it, it's going to be good. I think we're more talented team, but I think because they have more to play for, they're going to get at least a point.
0: That's interesting, because I, I think I would go for a 2-0 win, and the reason is because, first of all, they'll be playing their hearts out like crazy, but but uh, we are, in my opinion, a much, much better team. We're on form. They may be on form, and sure, they've played some decent teams and gotten some decent results, but I, I don't know. I just think we're that next level. I think Villa is a definitely a... They look like a championship team. They also might, uh, I could, I may be a very bottom table team. But if you look at, at them compared to, do you think they would have tied me and you today? I don't think they would have.
1: I, I don't think so. So I know, I definitely think we're a better team. I just don't know. I think you can judge them on their last performances, but but I have no idea how we're going to line up this next game. I have no idea how we're going to play. So it's just, it's tough for me. Yeah, to that, that's I, fair, I mean, I hope exactly. we win. I, I think we're a better team.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I guess if if we put in, if we really wanted to go for the win, I I could see us getting that two zero result. If we put in a bunch of new players, then you know, I mean, we have the possibility, I guess, of losing. But I I think we've got a strong chance for a tie, and I think we uh, should get the win. Cool. Um. So let's look ahead, uh, Chris. So what are we going to be doing over the summer here, and um, and after this last game, you know, the season ends, and then the next season starts September twelfth. So uh, anything exciting for us in the podcast
1: yeah well we'll we will be sipping uh socially dis distance my ties uh throughout the the off season no just just kidding we're we'll we'll definitely be bringing you some content throughout the off season getting we have kind of three different special podcasts planned uh no not sure exactly when those will drop, but we we'll, we're gonna have one where we really dive deep into the season recap who we thought played well who we were maybe disappointed with and and kind of that just give a overall was our season a success was it a failure review both the the Pellegrini portion of the season and the the Moyes portion and I think that'll be that'll be really good because it'll, it'll with this season having stretched so far it'll be nice to kind of take a holistic view at, at really dive deep back in what, what actually happened this season. What, what are the positives we can take? What are the things that we need to work on? And then the next, next podcast we're going to have, which hopefully we'll get in, um, maybe not before the transfer windows actually starts, but, but not too soon into it uh, is, is just a transfer preview. And in this, this episode we'll kind of go through each area of need that we see at West Ham Uh, The the type of players we want to bring in, you know, if like for example, I think we need a pacey left back. So we'll talk about that, and maybe you know other positions we need. Then we'll also talk about who could potentially fill those spots based on who West Ham have been linked to. Kind of give our ooh, we've been linked with you know player a b and c well i really want player b well chris you really want player c and then kind of discuss how those players would fit into our team and then finally in that episode we'll also talk about maybe you know who we think we should part ways with and who we should hold on tight i uh, you know we, we kind of gave a little bit our declan rice discussion today in our first section is kind of so similar to what we'll see with some of those some of those type of debates of kind of where maybe is this player a never sell is this player a let's get him off the books for whatever, whatever we can get them for, you know, uh, Roberto, I'm talking about you or a, uh, or a player, you know, kind of in that mid, well, well I could, we could keep them, but if the right price comes along, you know, what price would that be that we'd sell them? So that'll be our second, our, our transfer preview. And then finally, right before the season kicks off, we're going to kind of give an off season recap where, where our team stands players coming back from loan uh, kind of where, hopefully at that point, we'll see just about what the team will look like. I know that the transfer window kind of extends into the beginning of the season, but at that point, we should have a pretty good view of what our team looks like going in. So in that third episode, we'll talk about what our outlook for the season is and maybe set a few goals for for individual players and for the team.
0: Yeah, And uh, an important point for our podcast specifically is we're not really trying to break the news, right? We are not we're not in England right I mean, it's, it's really tough for us to be around the West Ham club and say, Oh, you know, we're going to get our first look at, you know, Stephen George over here or something. I don't know. But, um, but one thing that we do bring is, is that, the statistic, the kind of outside view, where if you're kind of sucked into the club and everything, uh, sometimes you can't take that step back and and get that overall view. And I think that's something a uh, very unique thing that we bring. And also a lot of the statistics. If you uh, listen to a lot of these podcasts um, about West Sandwich, there's some great ones out there. Um, they don't really get a whole lot in the t- statistics. And I think statistics are very telling, and uh, um, that's something that we always try to bring into is, uh, hey, what what actually in, in the game, what did the numbers show, you know, and sometimes statistics are bad, but, um but sometimes there's some really good statistics out there. Well, and um, I think
1: we always, we, we try and kind of use those statistics to, to kind of compare against what we, what we visually see on the pitch and see if, you know, for example, we talked about, well, we were attacking down the wings a lot. You know, we were, we were really relying on Bowen and for today. Well, and then we, once we look at the numbers, we saw, oh, yeah, we really did attack down the flanks or, and then not really down the middle. And so kind of how that affects the game. So, yeah, I, I definitely we try and bring a, a little bit something different. And, and most of all, we, we're just trying to have a, a good time talking about West Ham. And hopefully you guys can enjoy kind of listening into our conversation and, you know, just chime in on your own if you, if you ever reach out to us. We, we're trying to, to have a little more active presence on on Twitter and just if, if you ever have a question, you know, send it to us. We'll try and answer it on the podcast or, you know, just love to hear back from you. And hopefully you guys all, you know, enjoy the show.
0: Yeah, we've got some uh, pretty faithful listeners. We want to say thank you to that. Uh, We've really enjoyed this season. It's kind of our breakout season here, uh, getting things going. And we've had a ton of fun. Every time we record is is just a lot. So um, we're really excited for the summer and and kind of bring that American's perspective into the West Ham Club here. But, um, hey, thank you. Thank you to our supporters because we couldn't be doing it without you. Um, And it also makes it a little more fun for us, too, you know, when we see that uh, people are actually enjoying our content. So. Oh, well, yeah. that's the end of the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to us, and we're going to be back with a season review as we talked about in just uh, just a little bit of time. Come on, you irons, and let's hope for a win against Ashen Villa. All right, come on, you irons.